So I had a very different expectation going into this episode than the episode actually was. Okay. Because I noticed at the beginning it said written by Walter Kinnick, and I thought this would essentially be rape the episode. Ah, well, there's your problem. I know. You are conflating Walter Koenig, the actor yes. slash individual man, with Pavel Chekhov, the rapist slash... Hobbit. Yes. Hobgoblin. Yes. Hobgoblin's a better term. This was a really weird episode. I liked it. I... Um, it was very Stanislav Lem almost, just like, we're going to have a... It's one of those episodes, those things where it's mostly just showing off a, a weird planet and a weird little ecosystem. The plot is an excuse to show off these strange creatures. I think this episode, more than any of the other ones that we've seen so far, reads as someone coming up with the craziest fucking idea that they possibly can because it's an animated series and yeah. they don't need to worry about it. I liked it for that reason. It has uh, uh, massive interior spaces. It has intelligent walking plants. With raspberry heads. With raspberry heads and, and eyes or something. I don't know. They uh, look like, like stamens it, or whatever. This is a family show. Watch your language. It has plant dragons flying around attacking people with tentacles. Plagons. This is a and very tentacle-heavy show, by the way. It is, yeah. It's that seems I mean, like and that may just what that seems like a default for this show. It Let's may, go with tentacles. It may just be as simple as tentacles are a really creepy alien thing, and you can do them so much more easily in animated because you can't have a prehensile tentacle in a live-action show. Really, you could, but it, it would, would be just stupid. look bad. And finally, uh, but not. Let's not forget, uh, we have a, a giant man. Giant men who and are going to live together, working together in very close circumstances. And later on... This we... episode launched a thousand uh, gigantism fetishes. Did, did you research this? Yes. Okay. Well, please don't tell me your research because I do not want to know. Uh, yeah, we oh, have a... Oh, Spock, you're so big, said Kirk. It's a very strange episode yeah! because it references the eugenics wars again uh it's it's very odd because we have this planet set up as one where intelligent plants have have developed and okay fine we'll go with that i see no reason why that could not work uh if you are an evolutionary biologist and know a reason why that would not work please write in and let us know or don't either way i don't really care uh and then we get the reveal that they're being controlled by a survivor of the eugenics wars who apparently was, I, I would assume, on the level of a con. Yeah, I think he was more of a scientist than, I don't know, but his specialty was botany. And I think it's very academic what anybody who was involved in the eugenics wars actually did because, of yeah. course— Khan is super smart. He's brilliant. I'm sure that he's a great scientist. Oh, yeah. I'm sure this guy is also a great warrior, even though he's a botanist. Oh, yes. I, if they are superior in every way. Um, either way, yeah. So it said that he crash lands onto this planet while drifting after escaping the eugenics wars. And he lands there and he 
gives some kind of disease that kills off most of these Philosians and uh, 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 which I believe was supposed to be Staphylococcus, which is kind of weird. Yeah, um, and very uh, specific for Saturday morning children's cartoon. Oh as well. yeah. Um, but anyway, this is they're a very peaceful plant race, and you know they want to spread peace through the galaxy. And he thinks, oh, this is a great way of redeeming myself. So he is spending his time trying to number one figure out a way of re, you know get getting this race to be be self sustaining again, to restoring it, and also then. They're going to go out and they are going to preach peace into the world. Um, and, and, and at the same time, he's cloning himself every few decades and, and making himself giant. Yeah. Uh, well, why wouldn't you? Sure. If you can, why not? Um, I think it's interesting because, you know, th- this may be uh, perhaps reading a little too much into the episode, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway because it's my podcast. I think it's our podcast. You're right. I'm sorry uh, that. You know, the episode, the end of the episode is set up as this battle and we end in a classic sort of fist fight that that ends very quickly because it's only 24 minutes long. But, um, you know, the the idea that he is going to use these plant people to go out and enforce peace throughout the galaxy, basically, with a with an army, um, which is not really peace and is more of a a police state of the. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that, you know, a man who thinks that being larger conveys more respect and power someone who thinks that literally might think that this is a good idea and so i'm not you know this again this may be reading too much into it but i think that he's set up to be a much more literal thinker than many people in the federation and perhaps the federation as an entity i could possibly see that um either way i it's clear that he wants it to go through dominance and and the point that they make at the end of the episode is that peace has been achieved and not through dominance, but through, you know, the Federation, which allows individual towns to thrive, which is a goal towards something. And so, and again, in keeping with the, you know, actual peace, he defeats the villain by convincing him the error of of his ways. And, you know, immediately, because he's only a villain because he's misguided. He The cause of let's bring peace throughout the galaxy is there's no one who's going to disagree with that. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because, I, you know, I think that Star Trek is definitely a franchise that has the philosophy that the ends do not justify the means. And this is a classic example of that where the the ends of them trying to bring about peace throughout the galaxy would not justify what they were what they're doing to 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 accomplish that goal which you know it is pretty in keeping with any time there is an evil computer thing you know controlling a colony they always say that's false you know that's not real yeah you know so this is very pretty much the same thing no absolutely and i and i do think it's interesting too that the episode is more set up as a battle of wills between spock and spock in a lot of ways because, it, you know, they, they steal Spock and he's supposed to be, I guess, the strongest because Vulcans are, are stronger than humans and there were no other aliens on the away party. Um, but he's 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 cloned and, and giant now and called, they call him Spock too, which I think is great. <laughs> and uh, uh, he has, he, they're, they're sort of like transferring his consciousness or something, which, you know, it works as well as it's supposed to. And at the very end of the episode, you know, it's, it, once they've sort of convinced the eugenics war survivor that 
his plan is not going to work and that the Philosians sort of yeah. go with that and go, okay, yeah, we're not going to do this. Um, that they break out the idea of IDIC and infinite diversity and infinite combinations, which you came from the third season of Star Trek. Uh, we had seen that once more. I forget which episode that was, but there's like the little IDIC medallion, which was basically that, a way but... for Roddenberry to try and make some extra cash by selling replicas of it. <laughs> and uh, I think that's great that, you know, this, this, uh, Vulcan philosophy was just a cash grab by Roddenberry. I think it says a lot about how Roddenberry thought about Star Trek. Uh, but you know, and at the very end of the episode, you know, they're they're sort of trying to convince Spock of this, and 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 they they they're saying that you know they they can't make Spock do this. They have to allow him to find himself again, and he does find himself again. Yeah, they convince him of the logic of not doing this, right? And which I think is nice. Um, where it breaks down a little bit, I think, is in the idea that in the mind meld or the mind touch, as they call it, that Spock can apparently not transfer oh, his no, his consciousness, I, but 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 duplicate it. We we we. There is no no. This is this this is not going to be at all productive to and, go down this. Well, no, I, I I'm not going to go down the <laughs> I'm not going to go down the, the the rabbit hole that you think I'm going to go down uh, because oh. whatever. <laughs> You're always you always, were always saying about the original series that you had a problem with the fact that they did these things, never really went back to them, and never referenced them again. Now that's not entirely true, but and I think you know with the animated series, we're certainly seeing some callbacks. Yeah. We've seen how Cyrano Jones is doing again. Uh, we're seeing Tribbles again. We're seeing Koloth again last week. Um, you know, for the first episode that we covered the animated series, we saw the Guardian of Forever again. That. They leave the planet with the, the the gigantic eugenics war survivor and the gigantic Spock, both still alive, working together. Yes. To to try and bring about the uh, uh, the the Philosian civilization again, and try and cure the damage that that he yeah. had done. What the hell? There's a giant Spock just out there. Yeah. Like, and it's never brought up again. <laughs> well, I think that may have been the... Why didn't they just do that in the search for Spock? Is that what happens? P- perfect example. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that in, you know, a couple months when we get to the search for Spock, but you know, it's, it's just, a little strange. I'm it's just saying. just that the thought of giant Spock is super fucking creepy when you think about its implications that... I am totally understanding why no one would ever want to think about that again. And I have a feeling that Spock may have mind wiped everybody, you know, forget because holy shit, Eric, if there was a giant Richard going around, I want to be the only one who knows about this because, you know, I can't compete. I would certainly also agree with that. Rather hang out with a giant Richard. (laughs) You didn't deny it. I'm just sitting here. I think the other thing about the episode is that it feels in a lot of ways like Walter Koenig trying to work out uh, some problems he has with Star Trek. Um, mm. He uh, has Sulu attacked and almost die in the very beginning of the episode. By the way, Sulu is gay alert. What does he get attacked by? A pinkish, purplish pom-pom. All right. So basically you're saying that if a man rapes another man, the man who was raped is gay. Yes. All right. Um, I, th- you know, and, 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 you know, the whole IDIC thing and the giant Spock and 
Kirk kind of being superfluous in this episode. He doesn't really ever do anything. Um, he uses all the characters, though, which I liked. Uhura had a lot of lines in this episode. Scotty had a few lines in this episode. You know, everybody got their moment yeah. to shine. He very pointedly did not use Arix or Mares, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and it all kind of fits together, and it all sort of feels like... I don't know, like uh, some sort of like. It's nice that he gave everyone. Yeah, a lot. you know, it's just like, like it's you a know, reunion thing or yeah. something. Yeah, um, I, I feel like McCoy gets the best part in this because he's a tease in total hick mode in in the entire episode. Like, I love his line. He's like, hey, "You can't inject my friend with an alien dewdrop," <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, "He, he what they get to dis- to attack these plant dragons." Is not, you know, the latest advance in weed killer, but his great grandpappy's recipe, you know, which he used on his farm. And I have to say, this is, you know, he first talks you know, about. Do you know what that was made out of, by the way? What? Uh, it was made out of car battery acid and tobacco juice. How do you know? I'm making that up. Oh, I thought that was a thing. But it so, sounds right, doesn't it? You know, I, 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 I loved it. He's just, he's a Georgia boy. Yeah, I, they're playing it up a little more, which oh, yeah. I, which I appreciate. I mean, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, he was sort of. I don't know if he was told to tone his accent down or if he was doing it of his own volition. But when he brings that side of of himself out in the character of McCoy, I very much appreciate it. That's yeah. all I'm gonna say. I, I and maybe that was again Walter Canning thought. You know, we don't really get to see him do that that much. It'll be funny to get. You know. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, that he does say it's a weed, not a weed killer, but he says it's a, a weed uh, spray or something like that. Oh. So so even in that, they're uh, not trying to kill the dragon creatures, but they're just trying to stun them, basically. And yet it's it's interesting then that the episode where they're on Vulcan with Spock as a, t- as a kid, um, they pull no punches and they talk about the kid will die or the bear does die like they they very specifically say it dies yeah and i think i think dc fontana in yesteryear um if i'm recalling correctly really had to work hard to get to get that in there and especially especially, kids shows it was you did not say the word die or death or killing or anything yeah and especially the euthanasia bit in yesteryear things like that so yeah that's why that was such a great episode i would say because it does hit some pretty all in all, the the show goes for a more sophisticated view of solutions than I think it origin. I would have initially expected it to. Again, you you defeat the evil scientist in this by convincing him that his way is wrong, and he pretty much at the end they've converted all their enemies into friends so far. Yeah, yeah, and I think that goes along with with how Star Trek likes to operate in general. Yeah. I'm liking this so far. The cause of the Federation is so just that seeing when people see what it really is and get over their mistrust, it's been mostly mistrust in in a lot of these situations. Yeah, absolutely, and I think a lot of that is just how how you gain someone's trust is kind of the yeah. question in a lot of these episodes. Yeah, in none of the cases. Well, let's talk about the next episode because that's fits very much into it well i have a couple more things to say about this one before we move on the the references to to the brain of spock i don't think they ever say spock's brain yeah Uh, (laughs) i was wondering if that was an intentional joke at the episode's you know at the episode's expense could be i don't know 
I just picked up on it. I thought I'd throw that out there. And uh, I think you were trying to ignore the end of this episode. I love the end of this episode. But I'm not going to. Sulu makes an inscrutable Asian joke and then winks at the camera. Oh, yeah. I loved that. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it was sassy. I think I was. I'm filling it in the Sulu's gay file. I was with it until the wink. Yeah, that 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 just brought it over the top. I think that was a little too much. Yeah, I loved it. I'm not <laughs> sure. Sh- <laughs> th- th- there was no way that this end of the episode was not wonderful because it was like, wait, what? <laughs> it was very weird. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think this episode gets three winks. That's it? Out of four winks. I'll give it a six. Out of how many? Ten. Okay. Well, that's kind of like three out of four. Like always. Jeez, Richard. We. I thought we were doing a different uh, numbering system for every one. Well, let's find out when we talk about the magics of Megas 2. So I think I like that the animated series had a God being episode. I like that after a few minutes into this episode... I just kind of gave up and just went with it, and I think it became one of my favorites. I think that's how you have to go with this episode. Yeah, like, they're like, we're going to find creation. It's all, like, these weird swirly colors, and at that point, I was just like, this is not going to mean anything. So, but it was great because, you know, trippy colors. Well, the God being trope in in the original series is certainly something that I think was you know, pretty much inevitable to come up in the animated series. And I think I like the twist on this one because even the term God being for Lucian's character in this episode isn't exactly appropriate because of course he looks like the devil and at the end is revealed to be Lucifer in case you weren't paying attention for (laughs) the past 23 minutes. But you know, you see, what's funny is when I first saw him, I immediately thought Pan, actually, uh, going in line with the Apollo episode. Um, and he does act more like Pan than, like, Satan. He is, he's kind of a dick. He's tricking them a lot. But at the, but he is a loud, friendly guy, and he does genuinely seem to like them. And what he's, you know, it seems more like he's fucking with or having fun with them when he's not answering a question directly or anything just because he's amused. At the end of the day, he is acting more or less benignly to them. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'll get this out right right at the beginning. I I, I don't know that I particularly like this episode. I think um, it's I like a lot of the visuals. I like the beginning of the episode because they have that thing where they're going to the center of the galaxy to to watch matter being created, which is a cool little idea. And uh, they they get involved in this sort of like fireworks thing and you've got rainbows and stuff. And it just it looks interesting. Um, And, you know, the episode itself is very visually interesting because you have the the planet of Megas 2. You have magic. You have, you know, them going into Salem. Yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting and it sort of it flows very well. My problem with it is two things. Number one, I don't really get a sense that they knew what sort of character they were going for with Lucian, because I think he, he obviously is supposed to be the, 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 the biblical devil, but at the same time, he doesn't act like it. And which you could do something with, but I don't think they do anything with it. And my other problem with it is I don't understand at all 
what is going on. Like the okay. the 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 Megas two. What are they called? Megans or something? Megan. Yeah, they're 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 there, but they're never really explained, and they only so seem to be there to be sort of like a almost a superfluous and transparent opponent for the episode because they realize that 15 minutes in they needed some sort of conflict in this episode to make it interesting see i will completely disagree with you i thought that the once i once i kind of surrendered to the story the story made a lot of sense to me so you have this race of super beings and they you know they have infinite power they're in this dimension but you know their society is not really going towards anything this it's they're saying that they're lonely um and you they're know that, from, they're from, yeah they're from another universe they yeah say. that's that is a thing which comes into religion every so often you know you sure have god creates because he gets bored so right they travel to our dimension they land on earth and it's at that point that you know so you have a back in the day they're you know so assumedly one of them would be review, would be merlin and he's as he's asmodeus and you know you have all the so they are the great music magicians of you know ancient history and they're doing this. You can see, uh, honestly, I can see uh, Lucien finding, you know, people that he's just finds particularly interesting, and giving them magic powers. You know, that's probably what they're all doing. Um, he's playing tricks on humans just because it's fun. They're informing myths and legends as is going on. But you have people that they explicitly say there are people who want to use this magic for for dominance, for power. They want to have one of these people as a super weapon, and that is not at all what they want. So the the implication is that this is where the religious taboos against magic come as a way of kind of, you know, well, if you're not going to help us, we're going to kill you. So they take Lucian's, you know, trickery and stuff, and they say, well, no, this guy is actually evil. I think they, you know, anybody that he's helped is actually a witch and should be killed. So they basically start killing off these people because they're not using them and they create a fear of them. So they go back to their home planet and if they say, you know, humans are fucking crazy. They just don't, they all are power hungry, greedy. And when they don't get their way, they turn very violent. We want nothing to do with them. So, I mean, okay, I can see that, but I, they find a group of humans in the world. Now, Lucian genuinely likes humans still and figures while they do some bad things, they're, not bad people. He thinks the fact that there are humans on the planet is hilarious because now he has someone that he has people to play with. Well, I have, I have a couple problems with that. Number one is in that scenario, then the Megans are just dicks, I guess. No, um, I wouldn't say they're dicks. Because they, 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 they're, they're at earth and they're doing all their magics and stuff. And then they, I don't know, set it, set Lucian up as the fall guy. No, they don't set, I don't think they set Lucian. It's implied that the humans are making those stories. And so, you know, perhaps Lucian had been a bit more visible than the rest of them was. You you get the sense he enjoys humanity more. I think, you know, the typical story of the devil comes to someone, offers a contract or something like that. That's a twisted version of just, again, Lucian sees someone he thinks is cool and introduces himself and hangs out with them. Okay, I can see that. That's I that you know that's I think I I got the sense that they were, you know, seeing you know Lucian's a nice guy, but they hate all of these. You know, he's not he he's not just going to the king and giving him his power. He's giving it to a, a peasant lady. I think that's the problem with the episode because I don't think that's clear in the episode, and that has to do and, with the shortened running time. I would say yeah. I think this could have been a interesting hour long 
I think the other problem I have with this episode is, in that case, the setup for it makes absolutely no sense because there's that great moment in the episode where where they go to the other universe and they're they're at Megas two and you know Spock basically says, well, in this universe, magic is real and it's yeah. logical to assume that it will work, so I'm just going to do some magic and it's like, okay, fine, we'll go with that. Um, yeah, there, that's a belief makes things real. I can I it's, I can accept that on a cartoon. It's another universe. His logic is impeccable. That's fine. Yeah. But then what I don't understand about that is why would magic work on Earth? Because magic does not work in our universe and our dimension. So the entire premise of the episode seems ill-conceived to me. I don't know. It's, we, you know, it, it, it could be as simple as, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't really matter to me. I didn't really get bothered by that. But I think that's, I mean, I'm I think okay that's to a... say if that, you know, I'm, I'm okay that, you know, they can gift magic on earth. Maybe that is an ability that they have, you know, maybe they are able to take magic from their universe to ours, except, you know, Kirk can't because he's a human who just visited. Maybe, you know, it, 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 it's one of those, if I'm going to accept a race, I think of, that I if think I can that... accept a race of ancient magic beings, I can accept that they can do magic wherever they want. I don't know. I want more, I want more realism in my cartoons. I think that, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious though. I mean, I like, I think I, I'm taking this as Star Trek. I'm not taking this as a cartoon. So for me, At it's the like, same time, I, I yeah. have a problem with that because if you set up these beings as God beings, which is, it's fine if they're long lived, if they're not really physical beings, you know, whatever it is, they're, they're all energy. They're all gas. I don't know what they are. Um, I mean, they do, they, they do make a point of saying that Megas two doesn't really look like what they make it look like. Um, that's all fine, I suppose. But, uh, I still don't get why, you know, ma- magic being real in their universe is, is fine. Um, you know, maybe their universe is just formless and, 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 and thoughts, you know, can take shape yeah. and whatever. Uh, I just don't fundamentally see how that would work in 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 the Star Trek dimension. If they're able to travel from one dimension to the other, they can possibly pull power from it. Maybe, maybe they're. Well, I mean, this is another. This is going so into speculation that. Yeah, but I just I don't. You yeah, know, it, the, it's, oh, let me put it. It's one right. of those things the where I the, I yeah. I need justification for it because otherwise I feel the episode doesn't really work. Well, that's yeah. It's not in the episode and. It didn't bother me, but I can see why it would bother some like yeah, you. Yeah. Um but I, I guess where I liked this episode is that um the episode manages to find a quite literal sympathy for the devil. It essentially says, Well, you know, he's made some mistakes, but he's not really a bad guy and he doesn't deserve to be, you know, punish and it was just well, a bunch think, of misunderstandings compounding each other and i think the episode even goes further than that though especially at the end where they're on trial yeah um which is something that that actually is quite funny because um the the series premiere of, of next generation does something very similar with yeah. the trial um you'll, you'll see i know that. that's a common sci-fi theme as well that you have yeah you'll see that in a couple months but it it it, it kind of goes in a different direction than that I think and I think you're you're undercutting it a little bit because okay. it's not that they're saying that the devil is actually misunderstood Kirk explicitly says oh. that he doesn't he doesn't buy into that because the devil isn't real and that this being Lucian is not the devil the devil is yeah. a uh, uh construct is a, is a construct and is a mythological creature. And 
he is dealing with Lucian as a living being as he is now. And it is wrong to ascribe to him motivations and belief systems that a mythological version of him are supposed to have believed. That's true. And also I would say the episode talks about the past being something you can transcend because they don't deny that the you know earth history that was earth history their experience of earth was right that and they nobody i don't think they blame them for hating humans you know all of these years but at the same time they need to realize that that was then and in the centuries past they've learned to be a bit better you know maybe they're not a hundred percent there but they're a little better and they're not burning people at they, the stake and they want their credit for trying and at the end you know i would say the megans do realize like no you're right they they are we got them at the wrong time if we'd met them now maybe it would have been a completely different story yeah yeah i, I, I feel like that's a and that's a very star trek ending yeah i mean kirk is convincing them that i mean you've got that great scene where it's sort of like the record tapes and the the <laughs> the the like film, film is falling strips, down. yeah yeah I thought that was nice. And, and you know, the Megans are sort of, you know, that was one of the other things, too, that I didn't really understand about the end of the episode where, you know, they're they're in Salem and I, we're, they were obviously the Megans, but they were sort of playing the role of. Well, I see. I, I, I think part of it might, might have to do with the fact that the Megans are assumed to be the same Megans, more or less, that had visited Earth all those years ago. And these are different humans. So maybe they, they see it as they're symbolically you know, giving humanity its comeuppance and what they see, you know, they see the Salem witch trials as the ultimate, all right, we're done. Like this is the, that, that was their Holocaust in a way. And so they're, they're, they're essentially giving humanity an ironic Greek punishment. And yeah, you know, that like it, that that's, it's supposed to be a terrifying moment. You know, they're, they're basically putting humanity through what they themselves went through. And so, I mean, I liked that a lot. And which it also implies, of course, that the Megans are are less evolved, yeah. emotionally and sort of socially than than the Federation is now. Uh, you know, it's it's. I think they they are a little more knee jerk than they ought to have been. But at the same time, I think the fact that they are willing to listen to reason, and he does pretty much. I like how the the the, the you know the Conan Mather type guy you know basically says you know we really don't want to hurt you you know we don't. If you can give us a reason, you know, they, they, sometimes when you see these kind of trials, you get the sense that they are, you know, the deck is totally stacked and they have to trick their way through. Mm -hmm. I feel like in this one, it it was a legitimate trial compared to the Salem witch trials. Obviously it, he doesn't seem to, well, they win at the end, right? Exactly. You know, he, he seems very willing to consider the evidence and, you know, of course, you know, they do speak very well for themselves and they do have the evidence of history improving, you know, to back up their case. But the fact that the judge is willing to accept that says a lot about them. They they do it it I I buy them saying we're a peaceful race, you know, by the fact that they do demonstrate that violence is a last resort. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's one thing that you can say about Star Trek, it's that more often than not, uh the show isn't just about speeches but yeah. but is about showing rather than telling yeah. and you know the idea that the actions that Kirk and his crew take should should speak for the veracity of what they're saying maybe even more than the sum total of the evidence in the computer banks yeah um 
And does, doesn't Spock have that – wasn't it in this or the previous episode where Kirk makes a speech and he's about to fight and then Spock says, you know, you, you, you're kind of contradicting the words you just said and that stops Kirk from fighting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which episode was that? I don't remember. Either way, that was a moment. I loved that moment. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, what would you What would you give this episode? This was an out of This was an eight out of ten Kirks in the stocks. Yeah, I just you know I I still have problems with it, and I don't think it's nearly as strong as you. I, it's like a four for me. Well, maybe, that's fine. Maybe I'm, even a three. You're not nearly as strong as me, so you know. Let's take this outside where it's 90 degrees. <laughs> well, uh, next week we are going to talk about Once Upon a Planet and mm? Mud's Passion. What the fuck?